to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself hello Welcome to Express Yourself. We're a platform by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airways as an outreach service of Be The Star You Are Charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We're thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest network in the world. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I'll be your host for this show. Before we start the program, we want to announce that Be The Star You Are Charity is entering the metaverse. By, purch- by purchasing an NFT from www.starstylecommunity.org, you will be donating to be, be the Star You Are. You will be donating to Be the Star You Are. Each NFT is based on a character from Cynthia Bryan's new children's book, No Barnyard Bullies, illustrated by Jensen Russell. These NFTs are like baseball trading cards of yore. Check out the roadmap for upcoming events just for star style community members where exclusive experiences are part of the package going to be super fun jump into the metaverse and buy our nfts at www.starstylecommunity.com this show is all about encouraging the arts and here for our first segment is sharania take it away hi this is sharania and welcome to my segment the scribble It is so excited to be here and talking about a topic I love, the arts. As many of you know, The Scribble is focused on encouraging teens to be more interested in literature and to gain a deeper understanding of it. So today, I'll be excited to share with you so many different forms of literature that we often don't know, but can be some of your favorite ways to express yourself. The first one I'm going to be talking about is spoken word poetry. For this genre, if this is yours, you probably have beautiful writing and beautiful conversational or acting and orating skills. People who do spoken word not only arise emotions of the audience by curating beautiful stanzas which hit home, but they have voice modulations, expressions, and their entire presence on stage has a tone of its own. It often meshes together very well with the perfectly curated words. Some of my favorite spoken word authors are Clayton Jennings and American Scott talent winner, Brandon Leak. All of their poems have angst that is so clearly displayed in their voice and their throw of words. One thing to keep in mind that many people unfortunately do during spoken word is put emotion into every single sentence and rush through. While you are rushing these emotions, these rushing emotions can be panicky. And that is the audience's end and what they understand. 
they understand that what you're saying in your poem is all about anxiety and it has that tone that's flowing through. But on the other hand, if you're, for example, trying to display, let's say, frustration, you might want to go more slowly. And for every emotion, remember, there's a particular pace. Tone, as I mentioned many times before, is very important in a spoken word and it essentially builds and ties the entire piece together. Another genre, you're probably going to laugh at me, social media poetry. I know it sounds really silly. Poetry for social media, isn't that just poetry you take a picture of and put it on like social media? But it's actually beautiful. These are authors who can get the message through in a few concise lines. Everyone on social media just wants to read a little bit. They don't want to read the newest novel on social media. That makes no sense. And then these social media poets curate these beautiful lines. In just a few lines, you can get the whole story. And that is the specialty of this type of poetry. All of the lines are so poignant. And as spoken word does too, they hit home. Insta poetry, as many say, it's very moving if written properly. As I said in previous segments, I love Rupi Kaur and Nikita Gill, both avid writers of Insta poetry and super representative. And every line is so moving and it can tug at the heartstrings you never knew you had. Taylor Ashley is also another one of my favorites, and her lines can cause so many deep thoughts in just one second. And deep thoughts isn't essentially like, wow, this is really sad. Deep thoughts is something that makes you think a lot. And that's why I have so much respect for these Insta poets. These two, spoken word and Insta poetry, are just so different from each other. And I thought I'd try my hand at both of these. And right now, off to the random topic generator I go. So to try my hand at spoken poetry, I got the amazing topic of, let's see, success. All right, now that's pretty deep. I can't try humor on that. So uh, let's dissect success. I'm gonna include what success means to me. Spoken word is about thou. Ignore my Shakespeare's influence right now, um, but let's get started. Success, the world, the word almost rolls off my tongue. So delicate, so brittle, yet so incomplete. For I don't remember what it means to me. I don't remember the beautiful songs that you hear when you reach the pinnacle of success. Is it that I've never reached success? For I'm to ask you, what does it mean to be successful? Is it endless money or endless power, endless friends or endless life? For success to me is something I cannot see. But I'm asking you, is success something you reach and is so important to you? Eh, that was my first time. I don't know about you, but I really like writing it. I didn't have to depend wholly on my words. I can use my voice. Now to try my hand at Insta Poetry. I guess I've done this before on my handle at the rate Sharanya Roy 30 on Instagram, but it's not really concise. I think it's more of a brain dump in there. Now, I'm all for brain dumps. They're very productive and efficient at times. But to me, Insta poetry is something so sacred and powerful through just a few sentences. Random generator, I summon you. Uh, I got your personality. Well, I can't add humor in this too unless, unless I choose to. But it's my first time. Let's go with something more simple. Humor can make stuff a little more complicated. Violet skies perch over the fields of moist green. White clouds dance along the sun, a beautiful tango. A dolphin wades the crystal clear sea. Somehow these words remind me of me. Four lines, let's go. Describe something I think I am. So in, in my brain, I'm thinking I did pretty good. So why not try your hand at this? Maybe you can find what type of writing you really like. Oh my gosh, I loved your poetry. It was so beautiful. So I just have a couple questions for you. What are some important parts in both spoken word and Insta poetry? So I think like the common part between both of them, if I were to draw a Venn diagram and the middle part, it's going to probably 
be the emotion and how you display it in your words because mm-hmm. the two are really different um in spoken word is something that you hear and it and it should cause an emotion by you by hearing it and it's poetry is seeing so i think there's that aestheticness in your voice and aestheticness in like the fonts that draws people in but if you write it in a way which has emotion in the right parts and the pauses in the right parts, I think you can like develop a good spoken word poetry and insta poetry. Mm-hmm. So I'd say emotions are a big part of both of them because poetry is all based on emotions. Yeah, yeah, of course. I definitely agree. And also, where do you find like inspiration for writing these poems? Do you think that you're sometimes like sparked by like specific things or images or whatever do you think that it really just like flows from your brain so for these two I just did it with like random generators because it felt like something fun to do but I think usually um as you said images it's like ekphrasis and I got into that like a year ago so I think that's Mm -hmm. one major inspiration and I think just yeah like looking at the world around you and you just see the things that make sense to you and if you just write something about it I think it can turn out to be really good yeah of course and I know how like in addition to that a lot of people can find inspiration from nature and like their friends and family and stuff like that so you can really like find a way to do this from really anything around you which I think is really cool like it's a really accessible form of poetry and of expression yeah uh that is it for this segment thank you so much sharania i loved it make sure you stay tuned for our next segment where we will be interviewing jensen russell an illustrator we want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions so email us at btsya teen radio at gmail.com b-t-s-y-a teen radio at gmail.com check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com in our creative community site www.btsya.com you can get involved with the be the star you are charity buy books and t-shirts in our store sign up for our free newsletter and make a donation to be the star you are the star you are light up the flame that burns make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support be the star you are 501c3 a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women families and youth visit be the star you are.org to make a tax deductible donation today everyone counts donate today be the star you are.org Be the lucky star you Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The star you are light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are 501c3 charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the Star You Are.
Listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm here with Jensen an illustrator based out of Savannah, Georgia. No Barnyard Bullies by Cynthia Bryan is the first children's picture book that she has illustrated. She is currently finishing her last year as a student at Savannah College of School and Design, working towards a BFA in illustration with a concentration in publication. She currently works within children's book illustration and editorial slash commercial freelance. She always has a taste for the strange and unusual and strives to incorporate this into her art in a way that is comforting and touches upon inner child healing. Her goal in art is to exaggerate the human experience and encourage others to feel emotions all the way through. You can also find her on Instagram at NowhereJen. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So I just have like a few questions. So the first one, um, how did you get started as an artist? Like, did you always know that you wanted to be an artist ever since you were a kid? Or was it more like in high school or in college when you developed that passion? Um, this is kind of a funny answer, but I really never stopped being an artist. Um, You know, when you're a kid and you're constantly drawing and doodling and coloring, um, I really never stopped that. um, And I continued it forever. And when I was in high school, I started to, you know, get requests from random people that I would meet or people that I went to school with to, like, draw things for them. And I, like, kind of came to the realization that I could do this for the rest of my life, and it could be a career, but I wasn't super in touch with it. Um, And then I took a gap year after I graduated high school and really missed learning and, you know, missed that sort of getting to do things every day that I, like, wanted to do. Um, So I decided to go to art school and found this amazing illustration program at SCAD and have been loving it ever since. That's so great. Yeah, I completely understand just like being a kid and like doodling all over your notebooks and or it still happens now, like teachers getting mad at you for doodling instead of paying attention. Oh That's yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that you go to SCAD or Savannah College of Art and Design. So how did you decide that art school and more specifically that school was the right choice for you? So during my gap year, I was living in Los Angeles and I loved it. And I'm going to move back after I graduate. Um, But I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do. You know, I was working a desk job and I was just pretty bored. Um, So I wanted to get out of L.A. and... I have family in North Carolina, and we had been going to Georgia and Florida for vacation for years, and one day we drove through Savannah and found this art school, and I decided to set up a tour and fell in love with it and applied and got in, and the rest is history. That's amazing. Yeah, so... um and you're pursuing illustration more specifically in publications. So, like, what areas of illustration and creative design are there to work in? So, like, if I were a teen and I wanted to get started into this field, but like you said, a lot of people don't really know that there's any kind of way into it besides from the classic, like, paint and own a gallery and stuff like that route. 
how can teams get started in this field and be taken seriously? Um, reach out to everyone. Um, a lot of times we'll be following artists on Instagram and we place them at this like hierarchy of like, you know, they're so amazing. They're doing all these things. They would never want to talk to me, which actually is not the case. Um, a lot of times a good way to break into a market is to just reach out to someone that you admire. Um, I, I would suggest looking into um, other social medias, like LinkedIn is really good for just getting your work out there and building connections. It might be a little early if you're like early high school, but certainly in those last couple of years, like there's really, there's nothing, um, there's no barrier to entry in illustration Mm -hmm. because everyone needs art for everything there, you know, advertising uses art, magazines use art, like books obviously need art. Um, and even small things like commissions, um, from family, friends can get your foot in the door. Really everything can, can get you started. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, you work as an artist, like you said, with like commissions and stuff. So what are some advantages of being like a working artist while still being in school? Experience. I mean, you, you build connections when you're in school. Um, but there's really nothing like landing your first big time gig and really like understanding that this is a career and not just something that you can aspire to do but something that you can start doing while you're still in school because a field like illustration um specifically freelance which is you know not necessarily working for one person just working for lots of different people at the same time um it really gives you the freedom to work from wherever you wherever you are there's no you don't have to you know drive in the morning sit at a desk for however many hours and then, you know, go home and then make art. Like you can do art from wherever you are at all times. Um, And that's like a big thing right now is digital art is becoming so much more popular because it's more accessible. um, Mm -hmm. And you can act, you can do it from wherever. Yeah. That's so cool. And I feel like that validation, like you said of like, getting that first gig while you're still in school, that must have been amazing. So you mentioned that digital art is getting more and more popular. We mentioned at the beginning of the episode, before your segment, that there's actually an NFT coming out for the children's book that you just illustrated. So what was, like, the process of creating that? And, like, how did that differ from kind of, like, the normal digital art that you make? Yeah, um, it's super specific. So typically for digital art that would be commissioned from a client would be like, this is the size I need, this is the subject matter, like I need it by this date, and that's pretty much it. Um, But for NFTs, you know, you have to build everything on separate layers because it's not just a photo. It has to go into a generating software that will randomize it and create, you know, all of these different images based off of a specific amount of um, files created. So it's not just, you know, drawing a person next to a tree next to a house. It's like, okay, well, you have to have the background on a layer and you have to have five or six of those, however many, then you have to build, you know, five or six houses on a separate layer, put that as a separate file, you know, repeat the process over and over. Just like a lot. Um, But you learn it pretty quickly. It's like, it's like a muscle. Once you, you know, once you do it once, it kind of just comes naturally and you keep going. Um, But it's certainly different than, um, your typical digital art because it's not just being sent off and then that's it. 
it's being sent off, and then it becomes all of these different combinations of things as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds really cool, and it definitely sounds very complicated. So it's very impressive that <laughs> like you're doing all of this. That's amazing. So um, kind of along that vein of like illustration and stuff like that, and how you just illustrated um, Cynthia's new book. What's that process like of deciding what kind of picture to make depending on the words? Or like, how do you decide what the illustrations of a story is going to be? Um, it kind of starts with like a foundation of what you learn pretty much in elementary school when you're learning like your nouns and your verbs and your adjectives. Um, whatever the words are for that page, whatever the nouns are, which are the people, place, or things, right? That's what you're going to want to highlight. Um, and then you kind of break it down that way. So, like, if a page says, um, like, specific character names, obviously you want to put those characters on the page. Or if um, if it mentions, like, a big city, you're going to want to allude to the city, maybe a building, maybe a skyline, or um, mm -hmm. things like that. And then once you have that basis down, you can just embellish as much as you want, you know, put a bunch of um, other characters that will help push it. Or if there's an adverb or a verb that's, like, running or, like, shouting, obviously you're going to want to have those characters expressing what they're doing. So showing them mm -hmm. running or really like emoting in their faces. Um, but that is one of the hardest parts of illustrating a book is that you just get these lines and, you know, you get to create what everything looks like, which is a pretty, yeah. pretty spectacular little job. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the importance of illustration is that that's really how the people reading it see those characters and see and, like, interpret. And that's such a big part of, like, how you interpret the story in your mind. Like, seeing a yeah. character that you look like or, like, stuff like that. I feel like that's so important, especially in children's books. So, um, along with that, how did you like envision the characters when il when illustrating the book No Barnyard Bullies? Um, so I grew up around animals all the time and love drawing animals. So I had like a good foundation of what, you know, what animals look like. Um, and part of my style that I illustrate in is everything is cute and big eyes are like my staple. So mm. I had, I had like an idea going in how I wanted things to look. But yeah. of course, with all art, how you think it's going to look and what actually comes out end up being different because, you know, I'm having to follow guidelines of a story and I'm having to follow how, who these characters actually are, not how I see mm -hmm. them. Um, so it's kind of taking my style and applying it to what others are going to be able to take away from it. So if a character is described as looking a certain way, obviously they're going to look a certain way, but, you know, you're going to interpret it differently depending on who's reading it. So you have to sort of create characters that everyone can relate to, which is the tough part. Um, but... It's pretty universal when it comes to children's books because you have to create create things that children are going to respond to. So it really comes down to the base level of what things actually look like. Yeah. And you were talking about, like, your style and how you, like, one of your staples is big eyes and stuff like that. How did you kind of would you say that you have, like, a consistent personal style when it comes to art? And if so, how would you kind of, like, describe that style? Um, definitely bright. I love color. I think color is incredibly important. Um, my style, I use a lot of pinks and blues and 
greens and purples. Um, and with my style, obviously I said big eyes, but also just exaggeration. Um, like if something's pink, it's not a little pink, it's a lot pink. Or mm-hmm. like if, if I'm drawing a specific emotion, it's not like, well, see, that character, you know, might be sad. It's like, oh, that character is very sad. So yeah, everything yeah. I do is very exaggerated um, because it, you know, helps to tell the story. Yeah, definitely. That's so awesome. Well, I love talking to you so much. You have such, like, interesting things to say. So this is our last question. But um, how do you market yourself as a young person in the industry? And what are some, like, specific markets that are available? The biggest way to market yourself is just, one, to stay true to who you are because people don't want... um, to work with an artist who's just like every other artist out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really getting in touch with who you are, I think is the first step to developing, you know, not just your style as an artist, but who you are um, as a professional. So um, in marketing yourself, really become okay with promoting yourself and knowing that Sometimes it's better to just have stuff out there to be seen than have it be perfect or have it be amazing. Um, Yeah. A lot of times we get so caught in our own heads of like, it has to be perfect or no one will want to work with me. Um, But it's absolutely not true. Um, Some of the best markets are like advertising or editorial or book illustration. And sometimes the art is so simple that it, it's like a circle on a page and it says so much in the advertising agent wants to hire you um so you don't have to be the next Picasso or the next Matisse to you know work in art you just have to be true to who you are because people will people will relate to it no matter what yeah and do you see yourself creating more picture books like in the future definitely yes Um, The response just in the last couple of weeks has been very positive, like overwhelmingly positive. And the reward of doing children's books is that it's, you know, children are relating to it, which is a big part of what I do and a big pull for me. So definitely we'll be doing more children's books. That's so awesome. Well, it was great talking to you today. And one more quick thing, where can listeners find you on social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, stuff like that, if you use them? So my Instagram is nowhere, Jen, N-O-W-H-E-R-J-E-N. And if you go there, you can find a link to my website. Um, If you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's just Jensen Russell. You'll see the girl with pink hair. That is me. Everything is pink. yeah awesome great well good luck on your senior year and thank thank you you so much for coming on the show today i hope that you had a great time thank you for having me be the star you are light up the flame that burns Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit bethestarur.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. Be the star you are.org. Be the lucky star you Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. 
Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the star you are. 501c3 Charity has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. For our last segment, we are here with Kirthi, and she is back with her segment, Nerd Extraordinaire. Salutations, because you're stuck with me. Again. Welcome to Express Yourself's debate and fiction writing segment, Nerd Extraordinaire, with me, British Kirthi, and my incredibly annoying partner, Kirthi. Now, I might or might not have locked Kirthi in a closet just so I could do today's segment. Anyway. I went on a vacation once again, and I actually went on tour with the moving production of Dogs, the musical 2. Luke, I'm appalled there. Of course, my career as a part-time actress has been flourishing. I also obtained a new assistant, whose name is Thackeray. Yes, I'm being serious. His name is literally Thackeray. I know it's such a weird name, right? But I wouldn't be surprised if you walked into a kindergarten class and ended up finding a kid named Thackeray, and another named Thackia, and another named Thack, and another named, like, Bill and Slim or something. Thackeray did share a recipe with me a few days ago. He claimed that it was his great aunt's recipe. It was a recipe for beet salad. You know, I figured that it's one of those fancy dishes that require weed ingredients but actually taste wonderful. But then again, the recipe did require a ceremonial dance and also required you to eat a $150 spellbook, which is bound in human skin, and also required a pagan ritual to be performed. I'm starting to think that Thackley might not be the most normal person out there. Oh, well, he is the only person who's willing to work as an assistant for me for free. And the only person who's willing to shuffle through a stack of 9,757 giant poker cards for me. And, oh my, is is that a hinky punk? Well, I must catch it. Here I come, hinky punk. Phew, good thing we got rid of her before she spent all of my 15 minutes talking about herself. So, today's show is all about encouraging the oats. We'll get back to that whole encouraging the oats thing in a second. Over the very, very long 13 years of my life, I've realized that there's one common thing in all of my favorite books, whether it be a book that I read when I was in second grade, a book I read two years ago, or a book I read two months ago. They're all about paintings, 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 paintings. Let's get back to that whole painting thing in a sec. Now, let's get back to including the arts thing. What are the arts? The arts are technically defined as everything that requires creativity, divided into four categories. Culinary arts, visual arts, literary arts, and performing arts. Now, technically, writing is an art, but we'll go with the preschool definition of art. Popping colorful, slimy stuff onto hard white paper thingy. Basically, the visual arts. Now, in literature, using the visual arts as an approach to express the character's emotions and themes is common, but the 
three of my favorite books. One that I read and loved in second grade. One that I read two years ago. And another that I read two months ago. That I believe used art to make a geniusly written story. Wow, I'm making up adverbs once again. So today we're going to talk about what makes the paintings in these three books connect with the story in such an incredible way. And I'm going to give you some tips on how to use art skillfully. Or, dare I say, artfully in your fiction writing. A.K.A. Today's a fiction writing episode, people. Well, first up, OK For Now by Gailey D. Schmidt. Schmidt. It. Schmidt. 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 I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. There's like a D and an, and an H and an M thrown in there. And it's really boggling up the noggin up there. It's Gailey D-S-C-H-M-I-D-T. OK For Now is a childhood favorite of mine. Something that stems from the lens of shaky home videos. I'm going to start off by saying that I was a strange kid. Besides the infatuation with bunnies and the multiple alter egos, I did not really like paintings. I mean, they were just so boring. What's the point of them? What are the pictures for if people paint? I didn't understand that for, you know, maybe more than globs of paint on a canvas, but that might have changed a tiny, teeny tiny bit with this book. Pleasant painting in the in this book is not just one painting, but it's a whole collection of paintings by John Ottoman called Birds of America. And it's a collection that exists in real life because not all of these paintings in literature really exist. First of all, each chapter is prefaced with a different black and white painting of a bird from the collection. Doug, the main character, finds a copy of the collection in the local library, and the author's description of the birds is something of an artistic analysis, including every single minor detail that makes the painting so meaningful. Here's a quote from the book that describes a painting called The Arctic Fern from the collection. He was all alone and he looked like he was falling out of the sky and into this cold green sea. His wings were back, his tail feathers were back, and his neck was pulled around as if he was trying to turn but couldn't. His eye was round and bright and afraid and his beak was open a little bit, probably because he was trying to suck in some air before he crashed into the water. The sky around him was dark like the air was too heavy to fly in. This bird was falling and there wasn't a single thing in the world that cared at all. It was the most terrifying picture I had ever seen. The most beautiful. I leaned down onto the glass close to the bird. I think I started to bleed, bleed a little bit more quickly since the glass fogged up and I had to wipe the wet away. But I couldn't help it. Dang, he was so alone. He was so scared. Gary D. Schmidt. Okay for now. Yes, yes. Genius. There are too many quotable quotes in this book. Not said. It might have been a little ambitious to make 14-year-old ducks so introspective and, like, philosophical philosophical, but it's not completely unbelievable. The Arctic fern, which is the painting Doug is describing in this quote, represents Doug's struggle with an abusive family, and the themes of the painting are reflected into the storyline. The themes of the painting aren't only reflected through the storyline, but also through Doug. It represents his transformation from a troublemaker to an artist. As the story progresses, the main plot of the book is how Doug retrieves the other pages of the collection, which was sold off. Anyway, enough about OK for now, because I'm really talking about it too much. Next up in timeological order is one of the most classic books about a painting called The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. This is the two years ago book. And yes, I am aware that this book was published in the 19th century, which is far more than two years ago. But it's two centuries ago. The painting in this book is... Well, if you haven't already deduced by the title, it's a painting of some dude named Dorian Gray, who, which isn't exactly a real painting worth something. The idea of it was created by Wilde. This book is basically about how this dude named Dorian Gray gets a picture of himself painted, but when he sees it, he's astonished by his own beauty. Elegant much. When his weird friend tells him that one day he'll become old and musty and wrinkly, he is devastated, so he wishes that the painting would age instead of him aging, because the painting would stay beautiful forever, but he wouldn't. So basically, he was jealous of a painting. So, would you look at that? One day, Dorian Gray sees the portrait gain a wrinkle. Why? Well, he himself doesn't. The portrait in this book is not only a reflection of Dorian's aging, but as the book commences, Dorian believes that it's 
just because he's youthful forever, he doesn't have any consequences. And the portrait serves as a reflection of his soul, I guess. He actually doesn't get any consequences because this is set in the 19th century when aesthetically beautiful people are respected more than those who aren't considered good looking by society. Basically, it doesn't only show the wrinkles, like when he kills someone, and yes, he actually does kill someone, there's like a knife in the portrait Dorian, Dorian's hand. The portrait becomes a reminder of what Dorian turned into, something like the only evidence of his meaningness. Here's our quote for our good old chap, Dorian Gray. Every portrait that is painting with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not of the sitter. Oscar Wilde, the picture of Dorian Gray. This is another book which has too many quotable quotes. Sigh. Most of them sound very wise and philosophical, but most of them also don't make much sense because Oscar Wilde is the most poetic poet to ever exist, and you have to read each sentence five times to understand a word of it. Dorian is like an anti-hero. The book basically recites his downward spiral. Since the painting reminded Dorian of his meaningness, he doesn't like it at all, so he does something. If I tell you what, I'll ruin the whole book for you. Last but most definitely not least is the book I read two months ago, which has become my all-time favorite. So it's like, okay for now, but for adults. You know, the book about a teenage dude who looks at a painting of a bird and is like, ooh, that's pretty, except in one book, the dude just looks at it and tries to preserve it. And in the other book, the dude, like, steals it and becomes infatuated with it and becomes an alcohol addict when he grows up. I think you can tell which book is a middle grade book here and which book is an adult book. Okay, so it's basically about a dude named Theo who goes to an art museum, which is in fact the Met, with his mom. And would you look at that? It's the magic of book world, which coincidentally causes that art museum to be bombed in a terrorist attack. So Theo survives the bombing, and one thing leads to another. This 13-year-old somehow manages to accidentally steal a $300 painting. Sorry, I meant $300 million painting. This painting is one that exists and is actually worth $300 million. And this painting's called The Goldfinch by a famous Dutch painting master named Carol Fabritius. Fabritius. Fabricius. Fabricius. What's with all of these seemingly easy to pronounce names that are actually a tongue twister? Now he, Theo, not Carol Fabricius, whatever, doesn't know what to do. If he could, he would go straight to the cops and return the painting, but then he'll have to face the consequences. Basically, he'll have to go to prison. The way the painting connects to the story is somehow like Dorian Gray and Okay for Now combined. The painting is an ugly reminder that Theo could go to jail, but it mainly revolves around the idea that Theo is captivated by it because it was his mother's favorite painting and said mother died in the terrorist bombing thing mentioned before. Now he gets really, really attached to it, and the novel's whole plot revolves around the theme of how Theo looks at something for a second, but thinks about it for his whole life, and basically what he'd do for something so seemingly insignificant. It contrasts life and art, how art is something immortal, feels Dorian Gray vibes, and also the story of the painter with the weird last name, Fabric, whatever, that is that the goldfinch was the only painting of his, which, of his left, and he was killed in an explosion, which also destroyed the majority of his paintings. That was the, the Goldfinch was the last painting of his that was left. So this explosion is con compared to the art museum explosion and shows that the value of art is that it transcends time. The value of art is shown as not the value of money it's worth, but that it should be valued for its meaning, for its purpose. Cool. That was some philosophical stuff. This book has quite a lot of that. And the last two chapters are literally just that what is the meaning of life kind of stuff. And I'm just realizing that I forgot to say the name of the book. It's called The Goldfinch, named after Fablu whatever's masterpiece. And it's written by Donna Tartt. Now, when I was looking through the book for quotes, I just realized that it was such a good book. And I ended up reading the whole thing another time. And that's saying something because the book is like 800 pages. I'm just like that. Anyway, this again is another book where literally every sentence is quotable. Off to our quote. If a painting really works down in your heart and changes the way you see and think and feel, you don't think, oh, I love this picture because it's universal. I love this painting because it speaks to all mankind. That's not the reason anyone loves a piece of art. It's a secret whisper from an alleyway. This is to you. Hey, kid. Yes, you. 
Donatello, the Goldfinch. Just because this book is so good, here's another quote. Whenever you see flies or insects in a still life, a wilted petal, a black spot on the apple, the painting, the painter is giving you a secret message. He's telling you that the living things don't last. It's all temporary, death in life. That's why they're called natureless mortis. Maybe you don't see it all at first with the beauty and bloom, that little speck of rot. But if you look closer, there it is. Donata, the goldfinch. Again, this is the most well-written book in existence. Enough said. Thank you so much. I loved how much info you put in your segment, and I loved how much you related it to like your own personal things that you love like in literature. So I think we have time for one quick question. How can we learn to write about art and fiction from these authors? So you basically have to connect the story of the painting to the story of your story. All paintings tell a story. For Audubon's Arctic Throne, it's a story of despair, of struggle. For Wilde's Dorian Gray, it's a story of corruption, a story of the piercing binds of society. For Fabricius's The Goldfinch, it's a story of hope and captivity, a story that questions the significance of everything. The bird in the painting is insignificant because there are things bigger than it. But aren't there always things bigger than something? Isn't everything insignificant? So I think you guys can notice that I only used around 10 to 15 words to describe the stories, the paintings in Dorian Gray and Opie for now, but I spent two sentences describing the story of the goldfinch. By that, it, it's deductible that that's my favorite book. Not guilty. Anyways, there's more to connecting your fiction and art. As you've seen in my examples, a common theme expressed in these stories is the immortality of art. In Dorian Gray, it was expressed as mostly a bad thing and that immortality should stay in art and art only. While the Goldfinch emphasized this immortality's impact on humans and other peeps. Oh, that's an unusually long answer to a question. That's another thing about me. You ask me a one-sentence question, I answer with a paragraph. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Well, it was so great having you on today. But unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our audio engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. For more information about Be the Star You Are charity, visit www.bethestarur.org. Find us on Instagram at Express Yourself Radio. Appreciate art and be an artist. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself